Hello. Hi. We're loud and clear. I'm loud and clear. There we are. Great. Let me extend my hello and welcome to you as well. Oh, don't you just love a local church Sunday morning? Yeah. Bill, Anna, you've surpassed yourselves this morning. I, I, I'm always, when we come to December, I look forward to beginning the carols again. And we did them all in one morning. It's amazing. <laughs> if you just need a big, if you need your carols booster, um, you normally have to wait 12 months. Um, but you can just get one this morning. That was amazing. I hope we sing some more uh, as well. But really appreciate and enjoyed uh, enjoyed that this morning. Um, okay, thank you. She caught the mask. That's good news. Welcome. Uh, as Danny says, in two Sundays' time, we won't be meeting here in the morning because we'll be out in the garden. Can you believe it? Bring your coats and your wellies. Um, in the afternoon, uh, because that's where our walk through Bethlehem live nativity with the actual donkey, um, not the actual donkey from, <laughs> from Bethlehem. Um, <laughs> That's quite an old donkey. Not that donkey, but a donkey. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be outside enjoying that with, with loads of guests. Um, what a privilege to, to proclaim the good news, the story. Do you, do you know there are people that either don't know the story or need to hear the story of Jesus? Again, Martin and I, um, this week with uh, some of the refugees, with our English conversation, we're chatting about the nativity um, with some of these young men that have come from other cultures, other countries. They don't know the story of Jesus' birth. Um, why should they? They've come from another culture, another country, another faith background. We need to keep telling the story of Jesus' birth, whether we're singing it in amazing carols that are full of truth, uh, or whether we're sharing it with children, or whether we're proclaiming it. Uh, there are people around us, people that live here in Crawley today who don't know the story. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know why he came. Uh, church, this is why we repeat it uh, year after year. Um, we point to Jesus. We point to why he came, uh, that he's alive today and all that he's doing in the world. It's good news, isn't it? Do you believe it's good news? Give me a wave if you believe. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to sit down here and uh, I'm going to make a start uh, while parents are coming back in from... Uh, let me just adjust my, my cushion. Well, that's quite good, isn't it? Hi. I thought seeing as it's Christmas, uh, if, if we had a fire, that would be quite, quite nice. Um, but uh, maybe just a, a drink in my hand. Um, but it's a bit early in the day for, for that, something with an umbrella in over Christmas. Um, so uh, over these next couple of Sundays, we're going to look at uh, two songs. Um, I was looking earlier this morning at the, the most streamed songs on Spotify um, right now. Uh, number one is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, it's the most streamed. I'm not making a judgment on whether it's my favorite or not. I'm just saying Spotify doesn't lie. Um, number two, Last Christmas, Wham. I have to say, a beautiful song. Um, song of my teenage years. That video with George, Michael, and Andrew Ridgely, and Pepsi and Shirley throwing snowballs at one another um, in the 80s. Yeah, Dave and Ali Swan are nodding there. It's a beautiful moment, isn't it? What a song. Uh, and uh, number three, right now, the most streamed Christmas songs on Spotify, a little bit of buble. Um, it's, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's like he was in the room. Yeah, th thanks. Thanks for that. Um, listen, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to look at, at two songs that stand the test of time, two songs that come from the scriptures. They're not, you won't find them on the Spotify playlist, probably. Maybe you might do in some choral music a bit further down their most played list. But these are songs that have as I say, have stood the test of time. 
uh, in Luke chapter 1. They're, they're like, a, like an old LP, like a side A and a side B of the same kingdom song. We've got Mary's song uh, in Luke chapter 1, which we'll look at today. Uh, and then we go on to look at Zachariah's song um, uh, later on in Luke chapter 1. Let me just pop that on here um, for those of you either watching with us online or under the age of 35. Uh, this is called a record player. And uh, on this plastic disc are songs. Um, and as it spins around, 33 revolutions per minute, um, it plays music. It's amazing. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to... And it has an A side and a B side. The B sides traditionally weren't always as good, but sometimes there was a classic B side. And next week we'll have the B side of these two songs in Luke's Gospel, Zacharias. It's worth waiting for. It's not one of those dud B sides. It's a really, really good one. The setting of these songs, actually, I'm going to stand, you can't preach in an armchair. Um, the setting of these songs is the tipping point in redemptive history. Um, it's the moment uh, that. Uh, God's people have been waiting for. Um, these songs, um, they are where generations have been holding on with this unsatisfied prophetic hope, um, waiting for God. And, and these songs begin to confidently shout, no, God's coming, God's here. They're songs that usher in a new era. Um, in, in fact, they're, they're kind of the last prophetic moments of the Old Testament era, and they tip over into the New Testament era as well, rolled into one. Just turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we'll read uh, together uh, just Mary's song. I'll give you the context in a moment, but I'll pick up at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but He's lifted up the humble. And He's filled the hungry with good things, but He's sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. The angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary already in the, in the narrative uh, of the coming of Jesus in Luke chapter 1. She has accepted her assignment. She's a teenage girl, almost certainly, and she's been told now, although she's never had sex, she's a virgin, she's going to carry the Saviour and give birth. I mean, it, every, I've been preaching on this kind of story for 30 years now. It's remarkable every year when we come to it. At the same time, her old aunt Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant with Jesus' older cousin, John the Baptist. Um, so here's Mary. She's out of wedlock. Um, she's pregnant. She's getting some pretty strong breakup vibes from her older fiancé, Joseph. Um, it needs an angel to appear to him as well, just to calm his nerves and, and steady him as they go forward together. But in, in the face of all of that, she is vibrant with this prophetic hope in this song that she's singing and the promise of God. And she rejoices with a, a wide-eyed, youthful hope that recognising her story is running hard into God's big story for her too. And, you know, it's, it's true for us 
Um, we don't just need to reflect on it at this time of year. Um, often people talk these days in our kind of um, 21st century age about our journey. Um, it's not a phrase I particularly like. Do you know, we're not living our own journey. Um, you're not living your best life as best you can. God has made you. God has called you out from your old life. God has gifted you. God has prepared in advance for you to do good works for his glory. Your best life is to serve him and his kingdom. You've, we've not just bolted Christianity onto our lives. I've kind of responded to God and I'll, I'll just kind of fix it to everything else that I already am. No, the Bible says you've died to your old life. You've come into a whole new life in Jesus Christ. Now your whole identity and purpose is uh, caught up and found and flourishes only um, in serving Jesus Christ and his cause. If anyone believes that this morning, let me hear a little amen. Yeah, well done. So we, we can't be surface Christians. It's not possible. Please don't just be a church girl or a, or a church YouTube watcher. I'm waving at the camera there. Uh, by the way, that, verse 38 says, uh, just before we picked up the story, when the angel Gabriel has told Mary, you're going to have a baby, she says these incredible words. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. Let it be to me as you've said. Church, we need to be a little bit more like Mary here. Be more Mary. Uh, I'm, I'm yours, God. It's your plans. I want, it's your purpose. It's your story. For, I want my story to collide with your bigger story. I'm submitting all that I have to you, Lord Jesus. We sing a lot of songs around church, and we're going to take some time to worship and respond in song in a few moments. But obedience to God is true worship, so much more than just song singing. We're saying, like Mary did, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. And this song that we've read this morning, um, the, the Greek word for it, and you'll often find it uh, written about in, in, in your Bibles in this way, is, it's rightly called the Magnificat. Um, it's where we get the word magnificent from, if you hadn't worked that out in the English language. It's this outburst of praise and worship in response to her submission for God's plan for her life. Isn't that good? God's got a plan for my life. My response is to say, wow, God, I'm going to worship you because your plans are amazing. Verse 46, my, uh, Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Uh, that word about my spirit rejoicing, the, the Greek word that gets translated rejoiced in our English Bibles. Uh, it's a word I can't pronounce very well from the Greek, but it means literally to exult and to rejoice whilst jumping for joy. Wow, have you done your star jumps this morning? You, you didn't know that, did you? In, maybe if you've grown up in the English church, you didn't know that one of the roots of the word for rejoicing and praise when we come and sing our songs, maybe you grew up in a tradition where you opened a hymn book or you have a modern hymn book, you sing with words, from the screen. No, true worship from the heart involves jumping for joy. Well, some of you look a bit nervous about that, like, like I'm going to make you do star jumps right now or something. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, but just get ready because Bill might do later on. Um, this, is, this is vigorous. If, if you thought, oh, my rejoicing in God is contained within my quiet time in the morning, this was not a very good quiet time. It, by definition, it was a noisy time. Uh, Mary is jumping for joy. It's loud. It's expressive. It's praise that gets noticed. Mary didn't meet Elizabeth at her house 
um, uh, as she went to stay there for three months uh, and, and then shut herself away in Elizabeth's spare room and pull her harp down and begin to sing this song quietly before the Lord. Everyone in Elizabeth's house knew that Mary was rejoicing before the Lord at, at this point. It's an amazing song. It, um, sometimes when we preach, we can fill our notebook. Um, or write notes on our phones and come away with some knowledge and that's a good thing. But today my heart is that we come away desiring to burst out with praise and worship of the Lord Jesus in obedience to him, lifting our voices, giving our lives to him uh, afresh. The earlier word in, in verse 46 as well, my soul glorifies the Lord. The Greek word there is, is megaluno, mega is in the word. It means to magnify. Uh, you know if you get a magnifying glass, uh, or in the old days at school, we used to work with, uh, what are they called? Not stethoscopes, microscopes. Telescopes, microscopes, stethoscopes. They make things bigger that are further away. Um, and uh, we, what does it mean to say, I magnify the Lord? My soul magnifies the Lord. You can't make God bigger. God is bigger and greater than anything we can imagine. You can't make him bigger. Um, but what we're saying here, when we magnify the Lord, what Mary's saying is, I'm beginning to see you as you really are. I am wide-eyed in wonder. I'm right up close and personal. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lifted out from my own perspective. I came here looking at my own life and my own situation. And now I'm beginning to magnify you, Lord. Sometimes we sing in the English language the word exalt to mean the same thing. I'm lifting you up, God. I'm giving you your rightful place. Um, and by default, I'm putting myself actually in the place where I belong, at your feet, bowed down in worship, hands open, heart amazed and pumping out with joy, my voice giving you glory. When we magnify the Lord, we begin to get things the right way around. It's from the inside out. She says, my soul, my spirit. She's talking about something that's more than just words, more than just the form or the act of worship. Um, it's from the heart, from the inner man and woman. I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to lift you up. That's who we are as worshippers, church. I know uh, it's been true in my life and it's true in some of your lives right now. Sometimes we struggle to come into worship because of all the stuff that's going on in our lives, all the preoccupations that we have. And some of you, I know your lives right now, you've got some huge preoccupations. They're things that dominate your thinking day and night. And they're things you need to know. They really matter to the God who loves you. But Mary's song today encourages us, whatever our preoccupations, however heavy our burdens, just start to lift him up. Just start to magnify him. Just start to glorify him. Just start for a moment to decrease your world and increase him in your awareness of his presence and begin to see what happens. Begin to see how you become more aware of his presence. Begin to see him show himself to you and remind you of his character and lead you out of the place you've been in and into his truth and his hope and allow him to begin to deposit fresh faith in your hearts and fresh hope in your hearts and lift your heads and open your mouth so your praise gets louder and the other voices in your head get quieter and joy begins to come in spite of your circumstances.
circumstances. Let me encourage you in these weeks ahead and we go into dark winter days at this time of year. Please don't wait for the right conditions to begin to start praising and worshipping the Lord Jesus. You will never have the right conditions in your life. Just start to magnify the Lord. Just start to lift him up. Uh, Just start to wait on him in this way and strength will rise. That's what the scriptures promise, don't they? Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I, I just, hey, just for a moment, if you're at home as well, why don't we just begin to pray in tongues here? If you don't have the gift of languages, just say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I'm lifting you up right now. Come on, I need to hear the murmuring church of people praying, worshiping. Oh, Jesus, you're so worthy. I want to magnify you. Lord, I know my stuff matters, but, but just help me to get the right perspective today. I'm lifting my eyes to you. Wow. Lift my eyes to you. That's where my help comes from. Hallelujah. I'm not going to wait, Lord, for the right conditions. I'm just going to pile in with a song to you. Hallelujah. Wow. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can just keep praying quietly. That's okay. I'll, I'll carry on. Here in this narrative, as Mary approaches Elizabeth, she comes to stay at her house. The Holy Spirit fills them both. Boom. At the doorway. Imagine if you met Justin at the door this morning. Hey, Justin. Uh, in his, uh, braving it in his yellow t-shirt with no, uh, no long sleeves. If you met him at the door this morning, as Justin greeted you, the Holy Spirit filled both of you. Wow. That's what happens here as Mary comes to Elizabeth's house. There's a connection in the scriptures, and we know it in our lives too, between praise that lifts up the name of Jesus and being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that from this, this beautiful story. Of course there's a connection. We see it later on in Acts. It happens when Peter goes to Cornelius' house and, and they begin praising God in new languages, speaking in tongues like some of you have been doing just now. For some of them, even before they've been born again, there's a connection with praise and with being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Praise always opens our hearts and creates a hunger in us for more of God. In fact, this, this, um, these verses we've read in this song, in fact, we'll, we'll just jump there now because uh, otherwise I'll come to it later and go on for too long. Verse 53, Mary goes on to sing, he's filled the hungry with good things. He's filled the hungry with good things. He promises if you're hungry, he will satisfy you. Wow, the word hungry in verse 53 um, in our English Bibles actually is a stronger word. It means to be famished. It means to be absolutely starving. Like a teenager that's come in from school and empties the cereal cupboard and then has half a loaf of bread in toast and then has room for their dinner and their pudding and then wants supper. Okay? That's what I'm talking about here uh, as a fly buzzes around me. Um, hungry. He'll, he'll fill the hung- Are you craving more of God's presence in your life? Come to me, Jesus said. I'll, I'll, I will satisfy you. Psalm 63, that beautiful psalm, says, um, earnestly, Eagerly I seek you. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of of foods. These scriptures are full, particularly around the the birth story of Jesus. They're full of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same next week in in Zechariah's song as well. For for me, I was was baptised in the Holy Spirit aged 12. A Sunday night meeting uh, in a church my dad had planted in, in Horsham. And uh, we had some guests come. They were praying for people down the front. I went to the front. Somebody laid hands on me. The next thing I know, I was lying on the floor. Uh, so we use a bit of Christian jargon to say I was slain in the spirit. Sounds a bit weird. But I was so overwhelmed with the love and the presence of God. That the next thing I knew, I was lying perfectly happily and safely on the floor. And I was 
singing and praying in tongues. I was speaking a new language. Nobody had taught me to say it. I, I was just filled with the Spirit in that, in that moment. It was amazing. And, and through my teenage years, I had other moments like that um, where I experienced the Holy Spirit. But age 22, in our first year or so of marriage, I had what I can only describe as a year of being baptized in the Spirit. Oh boy, I was so hungry, so hungry for God at that point. We were just starting out in married life, just starting to realize God had a call on us uh, for something, and I was so hungry for him, and I couldn't get enough. I was craving God's presence. Oh, Lord, we want more of you. And every meeting, I was leading worship bands there, and every, every time we just stood up to, to lead worship, um, the, the Holy Spirit would fall afresh. I, I, they let me preach as a young man, crazy. Um, every time I stood up to preach, we'd, I'd, I'd start to weep. They weren't very good sermons. But God was doing something in me. Every prayer meeting I went to, I remember I, I couldn't speak, I couldn't pray. I just, began, I, I just wept. It was like I was being washed and healed from the inside out. I had no idea at the time what was going on, uh, except that I knew God was meeting with me powerfully and I knew he was doing something very real and, and special in, in my life. Uh, a deep hunger was being filled and satisfied. Are you hungry for God? I don't know about you as we tip over from this last year and a bit of COVID into 2022. I don't, who knows what the future holds in terms of science and medicine and disease. But friends, I'm so hungry for more of the authentic presence of God again like never before in, in my life. You know, the gospel saves us from our, our sin and the Holy Spirit fills us. But he wants to go on, go on. Go on filling us and working in our lives. He wants to give you an inner power to live differently and to live for him and to be totally changed from the inside out. If you're one of our new believers over the last year or so and you haven't yet been baptized in the Spirit, wow, we're sorry we've taken so long to help you understand this. We want to help you. If you're a believer in Jesus and you've had 18 months of COVID and feel like you've, you've barely encountered the Spirit of God, wow, let's encounter him afresh in these days, we're going to worship in a moment. This is for you. Um, in this song here, Mary says he fills the hungry with good things. And she was just speaking out the, the, the hope that the prophets before her had spoken out. Um, Jesus, of course, came. He told his disciples after he died on the cross and been raised to life by the power of God. He said, wait in the city and you'll receive power from on high. And, and they waited. They were obedient. That's where it starts. I'll be obedient, Lord. I'm hungry for you. I'm waiting. Will you fill me, please? On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, these obedient disciples, the Holy Spirit fell on them. Uh, they began to sing and pray in tongues and, uh, and probably sang some songs like Mary did as well. In fact, wonderfully, Mary was probably with them at that time uh, because she was at the cross and in the upper room uh, at, at the time uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven. Can you imagine that for Mary's story? Uh, that's a sermon for a, a, another time. Um, and Peter says, as he stands up in front of the crowd on the day of Pentecost, he shouts out to them in a loud voice as they're being born again uh, and, and, and asking, what do we do? He says, repent, believe, be baptized, every one of you, every one of you on YouTube as well, for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Friends, are you in faith? To understand that means you and me today. We're the ones that are far off from when Peter made that promise, but we're included in that promise. As a deep satisfying, as we respond to God in praise and worship, he's ready to fill us. 
He's ready to satisfy every hungry craving in our hearts for more of him. It's true for our children as well. Our kids are out at the moment, but we want to make loads of opportunities for our children to be baptised in the Spirit. For me, I was 12 years old, but I know many who were filled with the Spirit younger than that. Here in this passage, if you just read back in the previous verses, John the Baptist is baptised in the Spirit in Elizabeth's womb. Okay, that's good news. So there are no limits. Um, We can have a biblical expectation that however young you are, however young your children are, they can receive the Holy Spirit. We want to grow in a culture of that, don't we, where everyone has access to this beautiful promise of God to fill us and empower us where it's normal. Listen, friends, there's no one too young. There's no one too new. There's no one too little and small. There's no one too inexperienced. The only qualifying factor is for us to come to Jesus in repentance and hungry and thirsty, and he will fill you with good things. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to make room for that in in a moment. I'm not even preaching the passage now. Um, One of the good things about this morning, tonight, next Sunday, we'll make some space again, is I love the way Mary and Elizabeth encourage one another here. There was a greeting together. Um, The Holy Spirit in them provoked the gifts of the Spirit in them, and, and so they brought a strong spiritual encouragement to one another. That's why it's good to be together and to be able to pray for one another, not just to lift my hands and sing a song, but to have my eyes open uh, for the next uh, 25 minutes or so when we sing in a moment say, Holy Spirit, who are you wanting to encourage through me? Are you wanting to prophesy into someone's life? Is there someone sick I can pray for? Is there a friend that that in a COVID-friendly way I can put an arm around and encourage uh, this morning? That's what was going on here with Mary and Elizabeth. And just briefly, let's look at some of the content Uh, of the song. God, my saviour, Mary says. My saviour. Mary's carrying the baby. She says, this baby's my saviour. I mean, that alone is is a staggering thought that that Mary, the carrier of Jesus, the saviour, needs this saviour herself to be born again. Again, that may sound okay for some of us brought up in an English tradition, but if you've been brought up in a Catholic church or in the Orthodox faith, you may have a view of Mary Um, that says that she doesn't need the saviour in this way. Mary needed the saviour, Jesus. uh, And she begins to even praise that in her song. My saviour, wow. At the end of the verses, uh, she speaks about the promise of Abraham and his descendants. uh, Way back in the beginning in Genesis, um, God made a promise to Abraham um, that the people of God through him would fill the whole earth. Um, there was a promise made in Genesis 22. Abraham was prepared. He finally had a son after years of waiting and he was prepared to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. And at just the right moment, God says, Abraham, don't do it. There's a, sacrifice, there's a sacrificial lamb caught up in a thicket. Take the lamb instead. But uh, God says, you were prepared to sacrifice your son, your one and only son. If, if you know the scriptures at all, does that phrase ring any bells in your ear? Does it resonate with you? This promise over Abraham and Isaac, it points to Jesus, the Messiah, the one that Mary was carrying in her womb. He's the fulfillment of this promise. He's the offspring of Abraham that one day will sit on the throne of God. He's the fulfillment of the promise that means God's people will one day fill the whole earth. John 3.16 The Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's the same language used um, in a different way of of Abraham in Genesis 22. This 
it points us to this greater reality of, of Jesus, this baby, this son that would come at Christmas. It, unlike Isaac, who was rescued, this, this saviour would be given up, this one and only son would be tied up and given up to death. He'd be abandoned for our sin in a way that Isaac was not. In order that Isaac and you and I and everyone who believes in Jesus don't have to remain tied up and in bondage to our sin any longer. We don't have to pay the sacrifice anymore. We can say like Mary, Jesus, my saviour, the one and only son who welcomes us into the promise of belonging to God's people. Wow, no wonder Mary sings of God's mercy. Um, Just look at the kingdom language with me briefly before we worship. Maybe Bill and Anna, you can come and and just begin to play something beautiful and we'll, we'll join you. Uh, in a moment. It's kingdom language here. Um, It's language about Jesus. Um, And by the way, we've talked a lot about praise and worship this morning, but if if you're learning to worship, here's a good place to start. Sing a lot about Jesus. Speak a lot about Jesus. Don't sing and speak about your own stuff. Don't sing songs about your own stuff. Lift up the name of Jesus. Boast in his plans, his nature, his character, his victory. Remind yourself of his works and his promises. That's what Mary does here. And secondly, as I said, it's kingdom language. It's all about what Jesus the Savior is going to do in the world. It's about God's heart for the poor and the poor in spirits. He's mighty, verse 49. He's done great things for me. Again, the root of the word great there is, is, is the word is mega in the Greek. He's done mega things for me. Can you think of some things that God's done in your life? If, if you begin to realize, wow, they are mega things. He's saved me from my sin. He's brought me into a, an eternal hope in Jesus Christ that will never perish, spoil or fade. That's pretty mega, isn't it? Doesn't that make you want to begin to sing and worship with Mary this morning? Um, we just begin to recall, and I'm sure in the songs that Bill and Anna lead us in in a moment, some of them will help us recall the mega, amazing, mighty things that God has done for us. Verse 50, he shows mercy to those who fear him or those who are in awe of him. He's an awesome God. He shows mercy and he shows mercy forever, by the way. The says, wide, wide mercy. The God who's humbled himself to take on human flesh, to take on my weakness. Wide mercy to reach the most broken, the most lost, the farthest flung, the most despairing. Jesus offers his mercy He says to disciples, go and proclaim this mercy um, to the ends of the earth and to the end of the age. This mercy is going to keep getting proclaimed until Jesus returns. We keep reaching out with it. Look at Jesus' own life, to the tax collector, the sinner, the collaborator with the hated Romans, the despised, the rejected, those who who are under the weight of their sin and their sickness and their shame. Friends, if there's anyone here today or anyone with us on YouTube, he thinks, I am not worthy to receive the mercy of God. Well, that promise is great for the people along the row from me in church here, but it's not true of me. If only you knew what I've done in my life. If you're disqualifying yourself from the mercy of God, God knows and his mercy extends. I was with um, an osteopath two weeks ago, and while he's got his elbow in my back, he began pouring out his heart to me. He asked me a couple of questions and he began to say, if you only knew what I'd done in my life, you would agree that God could never find me good enough. Wow, 
Is that how some of you are expressing your heart this morning? You're longing to come to Jesus, but you don't think you're deserving of his mercy? Hey, you're not, but you come to Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus opens a way into the mercy of God. He extends it to you today. Verse 51, just briefly, he's got a mighty arm. He scatters the proud. He brings down rulers. It speaks of his strong rule. God, through history, has been able to transform through his mighty power. Now all his mighty power is focused in and through Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so we see as the story in the Gospels unfold, Jesus, he lays hands on the sick and they're healed. He lays hands on blind eyes and they open. He speaks a word of authority and a storm stops or demons leave a man and go into a herd of pigs. This is the, the, the same Jesus that the early church cries out to after he's ascended into heaven in Acts 4. And they say, Lord Jesus, would you continue to stretch out your hand and perform mighty signs through the likes of us? It's our promise still today. Church, it's why we're praying tonight. And finally, he exalts the hungry, the humble, and he fills the hungry with good things. Verses 52 and 53, I've said plenty about the hungry being filled with good things. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mary is a perfect example of how we should approach God with this lovely, quiet humility. This is the kind of person God works with. God will favor God will lift up into his purposes. Let it be as you, to me as you've said, Mary sang and said to God. This is the kind of heart God loves to use. The opposite of the proud and the self-sufficient. They're the ones that miss the work of God in Mary's day and in Jesus' day. The proud and the self-sufficient are the ones amongst us who continue to miss the work of God today. We rely on lesser things. This is an attitude of heart, church for those who want to see the kingdom of God and follow Jesus. It's an attitude of worship and surrender and humility before God. It's where the weak become strong and the poor become rich. These verses here, he he sends the rich away empty. Well, we've not even had our offering moment yet. Maybe Daniel will do that in a moment. Perhaps if you're rich, God will send you away empty. You put it all in the offering this morning. That's not what it means here, really, although you're welcome to put everything in the offering. You can be wealthy and follow Jesus. Many are. It does mean that you put your trust in him completely rather than in your other idols, the idol of finance and self-sufficiency. If that's our heart this morning, he scatters. He says, go live in your own strength if you won't let go and trust me. Let's just come back to that verse 53 then to finish. He's filled the hungry with good things. I hope you've worked up a hunger and a thirst as we've been going through this passage this morning to those who come to him they will be satisfied this prophetic song reminds us that this Jesus was the one who would come not long after would feed thousands in the desert miraculously with bread with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes he pointed to himself as the bread of life and the living water he's offering himself still today come eat and drink and be satisfied I'm the good food you're looking for why don't you stand with me friends there's a mighty saviour Jesus who's overcome all the enemies that we have in life sin, death every fear, every law we live by to try and be good and get right with God Jesus is here I don't know all your hearts in this room and 
I don't know who's watching with us on YouTube today or on Catch Up. If you haven't yet given your life to Jesus the Saviour, I'm inviting you to do that today, to repent, to bow down, to humble yourself. Like Mary said, God, let it be to me as you've said. I want your life, not my own. You can start now. You can start today as we worship God. Please let someone know you've made that decision. We want to pray with you. We're running our next Alpha course at the end of January. That will really help you, but start today as a follower of Jesus. And disciples in the church, maybe the majority of us here already, disciples of Jesus, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Maybe you'll be doing star jumps in a moment. I don't know, as you vigorously praise God. But these are rich promises that our Saviour will care for us, that He'll protect us. He's the one who'll fill us and lift us up and satisfy us in our mercy. Whatever our preoccupations, whatever the trouble and struggles in our life, Jesus, we're just going to begin to praise you now. We're just going to begin to worship you. Come on, lift your voices again. Jesus, we come to you to eat and to drink and to be filled with your Spirit afresh. We come to lay down every other way, every other idol that we rely upon for flourishing in life. We invite you now to work in us and through us, to birth something in us that's that's going to not only help us to grow, but serve this town and serve the poor and serve your kingdom here in Crawley and to the nations. Lord, we want to um, have a new craving for you in these days and have a sense of being pregnant again with the kingdom promises for this new year ahead. Come and overflow through us now as we worship you. And Lord, would you just enable us again, equip us again with spiritual gifts to encourage and provoke one another as we worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.